This is I'm the Worst. Comic Beck Charlwood has just released a YouTube comedy special called Bipolar Baby. And she has a big old story about mental health and it has a sprinkling of substance abuse in there just for good measure. And this may be fun if you're in a good place or a lot if you're not. So some numbers for you at the end if you need them. We recorded a Beck's flat on Gadigal land and I am talking to you now from Wurundjeri land. I pay my respects to all traditional custodians, elders, past and present. I asked Beck how she decided to talk about her bipolar on stage. Oh, I never wanted to talk about it. And then eventually what happened was I had nothing else going on in my life because it consumed me. And it just became, and I was like, well, there's nothing else going on. And I knew as well to talk about it, I had to be a better comic than I was. Because I got diagnosed about four years ago. And I was like, fine at comedy, but I was like, I'm only like five, six years in. Like, I don't know how to, I'm still talking about butts and jizz mostly. This is like a big jump to make. (laughs) (laughs) So it took a while. To a sensitive. Yeah. Conversation around mental health. What are you – and is it more challenging when you step on stage? Do you do you really every time feel like you're about to perform a trick that's a slightly higher difficulty level than regular stand-up? Yeah, ex- exactly that. And because you have to do so much like calming the audience and being like it's okay I'm fine I'm not about to be wheeled away in a straight jacket we're all good I'm a normal girl well not entirely but mostly normal like and that was the hardest part of writing about it was because this like all the manic episodes and depressives and medication and doctors and stuff that's really easy to turn into jokes but that it's hectic for a lot of people who've just come from the office and have had two white wines to be like, I'm medicated to hell, baby, because I believe that Les Claypool was God for a couple of days. It's such a good story. (laughs) It's such a good story. I don't want to spoil it, but you're walking along the street and you're listening to music and you said, my Spotify glitched, started playing Primus. Is this, what was the music you were listening to? It was Taylor Swift. You Um, went from Taylor Swift. Yeah. To weird redneck rock, mm-hmm. and you just went where you accepted the offer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. From God Himself, He Claire, He spoke to me through the music. I'm not going to be rude. <laughs> I think Taylor Swift would be really offended that she wasn't enough for you, right? I mean, I think she has plenty of people that do see her as a god, so she'd probably it wouldn't register on her radar. Whereas I'm generally worried this is going to get back to Les Claypool. <laughs> oh, I hope it does. If anyone knows, yeah. Yeah, has this not got back to him yet? No, well, it's not. Uh, I mean, when this comes out, it'll be out, but it's not out to the public just yet. So what we'll day? see. Follow me on the socials to see if that happens because I'll absolutely post about it. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, maybe this could be the start of a really beautiful friendship. Maybe not the marriage. No. Anyway, I am now I'm spoiling it. I'm, spo- <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I think those are fine tidbits. I mean, there's other stuff in the special as well. There's a know? lot in the special. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it too much because I'm like, let's let's get on to your um, real life stories. But putting together a whole hour, how do you structure it? How do you decide what's gonna what's gonna reassure people and warm them up? Like, like how do you choose that build up to an actual manic break? Oh my god! I mean, the 
this is a question that I wish I had a succinct, clear answer for. But whenever I build an hour, it's me just full force flicking through notebooks and going to as many open mics being like, ah, i got to get this together in a couple of months because I said I was going to do it. <laughs> That's how I write too. Yeah, there's no structure or anything. I think because uh, the first time I talked about bipolar was like a very quick little joke and it was like in and out explaining it. So I had that base to be like, okay, I have to tell people what bipolar is and how it works. I can't just go straight into the manic of it because mm. that's way too much. So then after I tell them and then I'm like, okay, this is what bipolar is. This is how it works and get them comfortable, get them rolling with it. And they're like, for anyone that doesn't know anyone, uh, it's bipolar is basically uh, the one where you go up and down, of course. And some days you're happy, some days you're sad, but it's like, it's not like, it's a bit more than that really. Uh, some days you'll be like, probably shouldn't exist anymore. And then out of nowhere, you'll be like, Les Claypool's God. <laughs> <laughs> Need to be sedated for a little while. I want to know what it is like actually. Cause I, um, I know a few people that live with it. What percentage of your time is feeling neither of those things? Like I, pre-medication, did you still spend long periods of time in the middle? Pre-meds was because uh, also pre-meds, I didn't know what was going on. Mm. So it's hard to remember. But I think I would at least every year I'd have like a two-month depression, like two little entree depressions somewhere in there as well. And then for some reason September was like the manic month. Like I would just do something psychotic. September? You know, and my psych explains to me recently. Please. It's seasonal. And so, like, so it's the it's winter ending and winter the flowers ends. opening on the plants. Is yes. that why you're getting manic? Pa- that's what uh, my psych said. And uh, okay, but did your psych say that's that that's the case for everyone? No, she's like some people, not everyone, not as a blanket statement. She's oh like, gosh, but for you, that seems to be the case. Uh, that's amazing. Yeah, we're all basic little animals that are just tricked into doing everything we do. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Okay, mm. so you've just spent one September on yeah. meds, though. Yes. Did you feel a little? Did you feel the song of spring in you at all? I did. I did. I definitely all of a sudden was like, oh, I feel like a lot more wines. I feel like being out of the house all the time, like, and just like my bedtime was getting later and later. I was like, oh, this is it. This is. But I'm medicated now, so I recognize it. I don't lean into the skid, and then just all of a sudden don't sleep for three days. Wow, mate. It's so – I have – I mean, we all have little um, flutters with mental illness, but it is mm. really – that's a lot to live with. Mm. That's a – like having full depressions and then having days awake. That's pretty annoying. It sounds so <laughs> annoying. Bother. But this is the great thing is now I'm capitalising off it. Well, you earned some money off this, babe. So, you deserve it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I can't imagine how hard it is for people that just have to – live with it and don't have a creative outlet. But it also is great for creativity too. Like I don't think I would be doing comedy if I didn't have it. And comedy is the best thing that's ever happened to me. When did you start? Started in 2014 in Perth. You were a baby in 2014 though. You're tiny. I was uh, just turned 20. That's so little. Yes. So young. And I know – and it's one of those ages where you're so young – 
but you don't, don't know. know how young you are. Just hanging out with a bunch of 30-year-old dudes being like, we're all the same. <laughs> <laughs> just you, me, and all your babies and your wives. Just the same life we're living. Yeah. yeah. It'd be enough to give you mental illness, wouldn't it? <laughs> being like a 20-year-old <laughs> hanging out with 30-year-old comedians, mostly male. Mm. Since being medicated, since getting a diagnosis that works for you, has it been a conscious reframing of your identity? Because as you say in the show, you were a nightmare. Yeah. So you would have thought of yourself as a pain in the ass. And have you been able to really change that sense of yourself being a nightmare? God, slowly. The waking up, because I didn't, I thought I was awesome. I thought. Yeah. Because I had so many stories. Yeah, you, I mean, you were a bit awesome, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, I was honestly, it, there's going to be some great chapters in the book when it comes out. Yeah. I mean, the books, there's no book, just so everyone knows. That's a dream I have many years away. But like every time I would catch up with someone, they'd be like, what? What's the story? So I felt like a celebrity be like, okay, here's what I was up to. And just the most feral behavior. Just... <laughs> Absolutely. And I didn't realise that I was like, oh, they're not asking because they care. They want a crazy story to go tell everyone else. Be like, you won't believe what this crazy bitch did this week. Like, And I didn't re- – I was just like, yeah, I'm awesome. Everyone loves me. And then – Okay, so you – yeah, so you actually didn't think of yourself as a nightmare until reflecting back. You, you mm. thought of yourself like the Fonz. Are Very you too much. young for that reference? No, I know who the Fonz is. Okay, cool. Because even I technically am too young for that reference. But <laughs> yeah, you were the Fonz. Yeah, just rocking up to everywhere, thinking everyone was so excited and then not realising after I left, they were all just like, oh my God, she's a lot. So the hardest part about being medicated was at first you get this like euphoric sense of like, oh my God, I know what's wrong with me. I can change my life. Oh my God, everything's about to get so much better. And it does. And then you start to realize what like normal is and how like the limits with in which like people usually function and how far you are outside of that and how in like in ways that I didn't even realize that people don't do like I remember I'd have this bit where I would like uh me and my friend in this awful bit where we'd go to parties and he would unplug the music and then I would just scream turn the music off and everyone at the party would stop and then we'd have a fake fight and I thought that was hilarious I thought that was fine behavior but all we did was just ruin every single house party we're invited to wow i mean it's it's sort of fun it's it, the first time it's fun but then doing it again on purpose Not is to the same people no different well no, I mean, that's the different. great thing about having bipolar you've always got new friends yeah. <laughs> you've always got a new group who are like whoa they see the shine from a distance and then they get close like oh absolutely not Wow. Yeah. Do you have – I mean, have you got a handful of friends from the before times though? Uh, oh, not really. No. No. I mean, this is the – Because be- people were attracted to you for the wrong reasons. Yes. Yes. So either what's happened is people I was friends with, have their lives have got significantly amazing and like, you know, as everyone's life. 
should progress better and better as they get older and older. But then I have the other friends who I met in the gutter and are continuing to be in the gutter. And so there's no like mid range. But that, yeah. Gotcha. Mm. Mm-hmm. I, um, did you like, do you have a lot of like long term friends? Do I have long term friends? Yeah. That is a good question. Um, I mean, I started comedy in Perth too. You, yeah, where did you where did you start? The Laugh Resort. Yeah, the Laugh Resort. Well, yeah, <laughs> my first paid gig was at the Laugh Resort. Nice. Um, and then the Lounge, the Comedy Lounge, was technically my first gig, but that was like several venues ago, mm. several managers ago. Whoa. <clears throat> yeah. So, um, so that was my first gig, and the Raw Comedy was held at the Comedy Lounge. That's where I saw Xavier Michaelides support Tripod and I said to Xavier, I was like, that's amazing. He was like, you could do it. That was the, you know, like that was the inciting incident of my stand-up comedy story. And he's he's right. Like mm. if you're not, I don't know, if you're a, if you like a muck around mm. and you're not terrified of standing on a stage, then you can do comedy too. Yeah. I mean, it takes a bit more than that. To then take it pro, but when you first start, you really just need to get up there just and get you up figure there it out as you go. And have a muck around. Yes, yeah. no one's amazing on the first try. Nobody. No is. one. And if they are, they probably shouldn't continue because because mm. um their first bad gig will kill them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you need the first one to be bad God. so that you. Don't form unrealistic expectations of the craft. Yeah, I do have that little mean, mean voice in my head when someone's like, did my first gig, it was amazing. And they just go, just you wait. Oh, it's coming for you. Just you wait. Oh, my God, bombing. Like, why would anyone? Why do we do it? Because you crush. There's nothing like it. You've done this show live a number of times. Mm. How do people respond? Uh, all the time they laugh, so that's always good. Yeah, that's good. That's, <laughs> that's, the, that's, that's, that's the aim of it. That's the goal. Uh, if it, it's been, when I first started, it was a lot more sad play vibes. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. It was like, because I tried, when I first started writing, I was like, I'm just doing a stand-up show. I'm just doing what's funny. I'm not going to talk about anything hard-hitting. I'm just going to write good jokes. And so the first half was just like my tightest 20 that I'd written. Yeah. And then all of a sudden just hard cut to this story that I just started telling without having any bits or stuff written to it. Right. Mm. 20 golden minutes of stand-up comedy Mm. and then a gear change into a really intense story about your worst manic break. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I can see how that would be like a – a jarring <laughs> change of direction. It was, yeah, pretty confusing when I'd market it of being like, it's just silly. The originally was called Good Funny. and Oh, I remember Good Funny. As, I remember those posters. This is the same show as Good Funny. Yes, this is what Good Funny became. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, the, the um, it's much more even now. Yeah. Not that I, I mean, personally, Plenty of comedians do a strong gear change in the middle and it's a mm. really fun trick to play on your audience. Mm. But you found that it was not – it was leaving you too vulnerable for them. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it was completely – it was like doing two different shows at once. Cool. Because, yeah, it was like stand-up and then, oh, a, a play? Oh, there was no marketing about it. Just being a biographical story. Yeah. 
I'm good. I'm, and you say you had to talk about it because you had nothing else to talk about, which I really love. Is there a little tiny bit of you that was like, this will be a gift to other people who've had a mental health journey? Oh, I didn't even think about that. No, I, I love probably that. should have thought about I that before that. now. It's this really wonderful marketing opportunity for you to be like, you know, it was big for me to talk about, but I just felt like the more we break down the stick, but no, you were just like, I had nothing else to say. I mean, yes, I'm here as an advocate for the community to say, hey, <laughs> it's no, okay. It's too late. You could have you could have covered yourself in glory and you've no. No, it was no. just I mean, it's just, it's just a ridiculous story. I was like, I have to it's tell someone about story. it. Thank God you didn't get that tattoo. Oh, thank God I didn't get that tattoo. But if I did, what a reveal at the end of the show. I mean, there was that point where I was I was like, are we going to? Surely I would have heard about this. if it, I, But are we going to see? I did one version of the show where I drew the tattoo on and showed it to people. And it was too much. Like some people... <laughs> Some people were really like half the people were like, no way. And then half people were like, I could see tears in one girl's eye of being like, that's oh, on her body. No. And I was like, no, it's permanent marker. It was just such a messy. And I was like, okay, we can't, we can't do this. Can't do that again. <laughs> I might get a little one, like a little Primus Forever tattoo to commemorate the special. Yeah, mate, you should. If enough people watch it. It's <laughs> okay. How many views do we need on this YouTube special how many views do we need for you to get a primus forever tattoo oh this is great stakes okay um i've put you on the spot i'm gonna say this is so good oh okay on my body forever i'm gonna say it's okay 50k views that seems fair yeah and i will get the primus tattoo so so you, how on earth can you find a story that's not already in the show? What's, are you going to tell me a story about before meds or after meds? Before meds. i got nothing after meds. Life is so – I wake up and I meditate every day now. I do Pilates most days of the week. I got, there's nothing exciting going on and I love it. I love being boring. It's sick. Yeah, so the end of that sentence, life is so – is the word boring. Mm. Life is so boring, but it's sick. It's awesome. Great. It's great. I have oh. some control over it. Congratulations. Now. It's cool when you get to pick the fun things you do. Like you have to plan it out. You don't just be like, <laughs> I'm going to have 15 oh, white no. wines and see what happens. Oh, my God. No, I just realised I encouraged somebody with a mental health issue to get a tattoo that they were going to get <gasps> when they were having a manic break. Like, have I been really irresponsible? No, that's honestly the best marketing ploy. I'm going to, I don't know. Uh, if it's, it, I mean, is it okay it, if I have your mum's number? I can run it by your mum first or something? No, she'll so say no. She'll, she'll ruin say the no. fun. Okay, right. She'll ruin it. Okay. <laughs> All right, anyway, to your story. Um, so I uh, have always had a flair for the dramatics. Mm-hmm. Uh, at a young age, I remember, this is my mum's favourite story to tell everyone I'm a narcissist. She, she's like, when you were four, we went to the doctors and you had a cold. Just like a cold. It wasn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. And we were sitting in the doctor's office. It's full of people. And you looked up at me. And in your big brown eyes with tears in them, you loudly said, Mum, do you think it's cancer? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're four yeah. years old. Do you remember this? 
Uh, no, no you don't memory even at all. No. Nah. You said, Mum, do you think it's, it's cancer? cancer? And she was like, there was several old people that were very upset, but most people laughed. Oh, all right. Most. Okay. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is like well, a lead up to... That's a risky to... laugh though, if that's yeah. a kid who actually might have cancer. Yeah, yeah. So this is to... Leads into the bigger story, which is the this other... This is your... You're setting the scene. Okay, yes, for the yes. child you were. Yes. This is... The, uh, that's the vibe. And uh, <laughs> I'm going to tell you the story of the other manic episode I had, which is not as intense as the one in the special, but still very funny and still some absolutely terrible behaviour from me. Okay, great. And this is great because you're from Perth, so you're going to know... I'm going to know all the people and the places. Every location I tell you about is... You're going to get it. You're going to understand. So this is when I was, uh, I think I'm going to say 18, 19 years old. A beautiful time in a young lady's life. Yes, a manic young lady's life where she's so beautiful and young and no one will tell her she's doing anything wrong even though she needs someone to tell her she's doing things wrong. You were too cute for people to set boundaries. That's, yeah, I could always. Oh, no. That's why I think I dated a lot of older men because they were like, she's literally never done anything wrong. She's 18 years old. Creepy. Okay, cool. Continue. Um. And I was working at a bar at Hillary's Boat Harbour. Yeah, Shout out. So uh, drinking myself stupid and then uh, absolutely just breaking every single friendship around me, being a terrible employee. And then all of a sudden I woke up and I was like, I need to move away. I need to just get away from all of this today. I need- <laughs> okay. Yeah. When you say move away, do you mean are you talking like a down the road? Are you talking about a, a couple suburbs? What are you saying when you say move away? In my head, I was like, I want to go somewhere tropical oh, with God. beaches, okay. and I just want to well, lie you're in on the beach. Boat harbor. You can hop on the boat to Rotto. and that's exactly what I did. It is not. <laughs> How did you pick it? No, you know? there's well, only one island off the coast, yeah. <laughs> and I didn't have any money because I was a very bad employee. Yes, so. yes, you didn't have money for Fiji. Mm-hmm. But you were right yeah. at the ferry terminal. Okay. Get on the okay. ferry terminal. So. Last time I was in Perth, we hopped on the boat at Hillary's Boat Harbour <laughs> and went to Rotto. And that is why it is front of mind. Great. Rottnest mm. Island, by the way, to anyone who hasn't been, is an absolute delight. There are basically no cars on the island. Everyone just cycles around on their bikes. There are so many beautiful beaches. Mm. It is a very chill place to be. It's, oh, it's absolutely, I think, one of the best holiday destinations and if you get the cheap you can get really cheaper calm on there too yeah you can but only if you like book it on the day it becomes released for 18 months in advance like yeah. it's really com- really competitive i go in every year just Do in you? case yeah oh, yes <laughs> babe okay i need to start entering the rottnest island lottery just pop it in the calendar and then you know all of a sudden at the end of the day you're like oh my god i've basically won a holiday yes yeah yes okay anyway all right are you on a shift when you decide this? I uh, are you living right by Hillary's? I'm living pretty close to Hillary's. I okay. live down the road, and uh, I woke up and I was like, I need to go live on Rottnest Island oh. today. <laughs> so I went on to Seek.com and I looked for what jobs were available on Rottnest, and there was one available at. I will not say the name of the cafe because I'm about to tell you a lot of things about this cafe that they wouldn't want. In okay. public. Uh, hold on just a second as I mouth it to you. 
Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay, great. So, uh, and they are advertising for a barista. I've never made a coffee in my life, but I call up and I say, I'm ready to start today. And they said, great. You get accommodation on the island. Do you? Mm-hmm. And we would love for you to come start today. And I said, great, which is my first sign that that's probably not a great job. It's not a great job when you can mm. start immediately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, I uh, go into my bar job and I say, hey, guys, I'm so sorry, but I'm quitting. I can't do this anymore. And then the, in the uh, – this is, I think, where truly – I. The worst thing I've ever done is quitting a job and then calling my friends to sit in the bar and have goodbye drink. <laughs> That's so classy of you. Mm. And I'm just like, guys, I'm going, I'm leaving today. I'm Come on down. Out of here. Say goodbye in a few hours. Yeah. After I have had heaps of drinks. Thank you. I'd love to remember if I asked for the staff discount. I'd love to know. But I don't. What does, I, you, what does your gut say? Your gut says you did. Your gut right? says I did. I reckon yeah. you did. Yeah, I think I did too. Like, I adore you. But I think we know you did. Yeah, I did. I wonder if you got it. You must have. I must have. That's why you – otherwise you would have gone to another bar. Surely you would have sure, gone to a different I'm, bar. I mean, I'm not making a lot of great decisions at this point. Goodbye, Who knows? <laughs> I'm going to be 45 minutes over the waters. Yeah. I'll never see any of you again. I think I cried at one point Did being you? like, I'm going to miss you all so much. <laughs> I wonder if it's cancer. <laughs> Is this the worst story you've had so far? Oh, well, Because okay. I listened to a few episodes and people told charming, cute stories. People like Chris to- Parker's episode was adorable. Adorable. <laughs> so adorable. There have been many adorable stories. There have been some There have been some fairly dodgy ones. You know, there have been some bad behaviour. Mm. I'd be really reluctant to classify this as one of the worst, Beck, because, mm. um, because it happened whilst you were waiting for... For a future diagnosis. You know what? You, you can imagine that it, you're putting me in a really tricky position to say you were awful because um, you were also unwell. That's Thank you so much for saying that. And I would like to argue that means I've never done anything wrong in my whole life. Never done anything wrong. I think – is that what you – did your psych say that you could use it as a – He didn't say it explicitly but I felt a vibe. A, um, a vibe. You're forgiven for all of it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, um, yeah no. Okay. The, yeah. This is, we're not even like so halfway is- through on this story, by the oh way. Oh my god! Great. Okay, great. So, uh, have my leaving drinks. Say a tearful goodbye because I'm going to be 45 minutes across the sea. Get on the ferry. Uh, show up to the unnamed cafe, and they're like, "Oh, sorry, you you turned up for your first shift immediately after the goodbye." Okay, right. Yeah. I wasn't doing the maths on it. Yeah. Okay, right. After you've had heaps of drinks and a cry. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they uh, are just like, oh, well, the cafe's closed for the day. It's the afternoon at this point. Uh, go, like, put your stuff in the accommodation. You start tomorrow morning. And so I go up and I just dump my stuff down. I barely even, like, I think I put my stuff at the door. And then I just went to the pub and kept drinking <laughs> until the wee hours of the morning. Oh, my God. <laughs> I come back. I think I get about, like, two hours sleep. Go into my first shift, like 5 a.m. as a barista. Never done it before in my life. Oh, my God. 
And as soon as I start, I was like, hey, by the way, what does this, does this job pay money? Like I hadn't even asked if there was like. <laughs> oh, you were just doing it for the account. Yeah. I was just doing it for the lifestyle. Get in the sea change, baby. <laughs> oh, okay. So you're, mm. you're five minutes into the shift. You're like, hello. And do I get paid for being here? Yeah. On two hours sleep? Yeah. Have you made a coffee yet? I haven't made a coffee. Okay. Cool. I think, oh, I'd burnt the milk once. Yeah. But and then had. they said, we're going to show, someone's going to stand by and just watch you for a little while. <laughs> and they're like, oh, by the way, um, it's 12 hour shifts. Just, but we give you a 10 minute break every hour. So it's all okay. Oh, yuck. And I okay. think it paid like $5 below minimum wage. Like, okay. And I started at that point to look around at all the people around me and there's a lot of teeth missing. Not a lot of, I think there was maybe 10 staff members. I'm going to say about 30 teeth between them. Right. And I was like, oh, this is not a, good bunch of people some's okay so plenty of people lose teeth for re for but if you have a group where mm. where it's like a common theme then mm. yeah you might be dealing with people you, you're certainly not dealing with a real corporate bunch yes yeah like yeah. it's people it, it, there'll be a lot of people who've lost their way a bit Yes. Yeah? yeah. I'm just trying to I'm trying to frame I'm trying to frame it. Are you saying that there's people with actual drug problems or is it just it's uncertain. Just just people who've lost their way. Yeah, un- at that point I was uncertain, but very clear uh when it got to the nighttime that it was definitely drugs. It was okay, definitely right. yep. a lot of drugs. So I go through the shift. I think I fuck up every single coffee order. That's I don't think beautiful. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> At one point, I remember this old man coming up and you could see that I was freaking out. Like, I think I was like visibly sweating into coffees because I was just not doing a good job. Let's keep in mind, you're still still an adorable looking 18 year old. And that's how I got away with it for so long. Sweet old man just going, look at this poor young lady. He wouldn't have thought who wrote herself off last night until two hours before her shift. Yeah, yeah. This this couldn't be her fault in any way. he comes up and he has his coffee and he goes, just so you know, this is the best coffee I've ever had. No. And I nearly started crying. I was like, it's, it's not. I know it's not. Oh, bless that just sweet man. Looking at a cappuccino that has no foam on it whatsoever. Just the chunks <laughs> of the chocolatey dust floating around in the top oh. of it. <laughs> Anyway, baby bag. Okay, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that goes on through the whole. You do the full twelve-hour shift. I do the full twelve-hour oh, shift. Oh, that must have been awful. Yeah, you oh. deserved it, but it was. It sounds awful. It's pretty yeah minimum. Like I mean, for messing around my other bar job, it's only fair penance. Yeah, like yeah, they were really upset, but they still let me drink in the bar. So anyway, anyway, I'm questioning. I'm like, how did I you met, got pull away this off? With so much stuff. <laughs> yeah. You just you just have a really wide open, innocent, adorable face. Like you really, which is I reckon been a bit of a curse for you. I, I think so. I, I know my uh, absolutely my face has been my curse for the longest time. I can't help that I'm this beautiful, You're adorable. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it gets to the end of the shift. I'm knackered. Uh, I go and finally like take in the surroundings of my accommodation, and I realize it's like a dorm. With no. like five bunk beds in there. No. 
Yeah. And I'm looking around and I'm like, this is kind of like, there's not a lot of like top sheets. There's not a lot of like, oh. a, a couple of the pillows have no pillowcases on them. Oh. And I was like, okay, all right. So I'm finally knackered at this point. I fall into bed and I notice that no one else is around, even none of the other staff members are around. All of a sudden I finally get to sleep on my, basically I didn't bring bed sheets. No. So I'm just on a plastic mattress, by the way. Just. Oh, it's so dire. Okay. So dire. I got a sarong covering me. Yes. <laughs> then I was like, I'll wear this every day. Not thinking I was going to use it as a blanket. Oh, sorry. It was your clothing and, you, yeah. and your bedding. Okay. Mm. <laughs> I prepared nothing, Claire, nothing. So I, I'm, I'm there, I'm finally closing my eyes and I'm realising, I'm like, I think I've made a horrible mistake here. Yeah. I think I need, I, I might need some help. All of a sudden, the door gets kicked in and this woman comes in and she goes, what are you doing in my bed? And she's screaming in my face. And oh, she, man. She, she goes, devil woman, devil she woman. She called you devil woman? Yes, devil, and she's shaking me. And I, <laughs> I, I, I very quickly in the moment, I was like, oh, it's meth. Everyone's on meth. <laughs> oh, yeah. no. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, because it's a, I mean, it's a, it's a very unpredictable drug. Yes, yes. It's like you're not, you're not really. Yeah, it's not, it's not the safest zone. There uh, are, there are safer drugs to be around. I hate to be a prude, guys, but just like, don't do meth. Don't oh. do it. It's not worth it. Yeah, I've only ever had friends, a few friends, who were really into it, mm. and it's, a, it's been a very bad outcome. Yeah, no bueno. <laughs> I think no bueno. That, I mean, say what you like about your incredibly like this is a story of you behaving like a like a nightmare mm. like a self-described nightmare right yes but you didn't don't tell me it ends with you getting into mess <laughs> believe it i mean you can see i have many teeth here yeah Claire. yeah good teeth so, spoiler good alert teeth. she's she's okay yeah so w- w- I, at that moment i was like oh i have to i have to I like again. I feel like I snapped out of. This is middle of the night stuff, though. Yeah, because it's dark outside, right? Yeah. What are you gonna do? So I, uh, she showed me, and then someone comes in and pulls her off, and she's oh. like, "Calm down, calm down, you're okay." And then she just had like a fit on the floor, just screaming about, Aww. "They're chasing me! They're chasing!" I was like, "Oh, oh no. no, no!" So I'm just like sitting there, just like frozen. By the way, no one even notices. Me, they're just all like they're all high in their head, so they calm her down, and then they all fall into bed into our wiry, wiry bunk beds. And as soon as I saw the sun come up, I ran, I grabbed my shit, and I ran to the ferry terminal and called my mum. I was like, I made a mistake, and she's like, Where are you? <laughs> I hadn't even told her I was going. This is still 48 hours mm. from the original decision to move yeah. away to a tropical climate. Yeah. Okay. I've left two jobs in 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. You didn't go back to the bar. No, no, no. I didn't go back to the bar. You at least had the good sense to be like, I don't reckon they'd, I don't reckon that's a 
good one for me to go back to. Well and truly sober and wanted to stay sober, at least for a couple of days, you know, after that one. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. No wonder Mm. people loved you for your stories. I, yeah, I, I yeah. really put myself in danger for a lot of them. So I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad it's oh. paid off. My poor little – because it's like, it's like it's happening to you, but I'm also thinking – I'm like thinking of an 18, 19-year-old. I'm like, that poor kid, mm. honestly, you absolutely did it to yourself, but that poor little kid. I, what is it like – this is the thing about being 18, 19 is you don't know how much danger there is, so you're not scared of anything. Oh. My God, I just was so cavalier with my own safety at 18, 19 and nothing like you, mate. Like not, did not end up in, um, in a meth addict's bunk bed. Um, but yeah, I was, and my mum would get so worried about me and I'm like, what are you, I'm yeah. fine. What are you so worried about? There was Claremont serial killer. Oh, that would have been a in time. my In my time. <gasps> And oh, my mum was so scared it took blonde girls. And I'm like, um, what are the chances, mum? <laughs> just go to sleep, I'll be fine. You know, like I just you just assumed it wouldn't mm. happen to you. Yeah. I mean it didn't. But also, I now understand why my mother might have not slept at night every time I went out. Yeah. You're like, you've been crazy over nothing. Like yeah. now I'm a normal amount of anxious. Like I had to go into a car dealership the other day and I waited until my mum showed up to go in because I was too scared to talk to the representative <laughs> on my own. That's a normal, like, I mean, it's probably a l- little bit of anxiety, but I'd rather have that than <laughs> how it was before. <laughs> the before you would have just... Walked right in and gone, I'll take three. Yeah, for sure. Signed away a, a, a loan that I could never pay off and be like, ah, it's Pop fine. it on the ferry to Rupnest. I'll yeah. see it there. <laughs> I'll work 900 shifts <laughs> <laughs> to work this one off. Um, excellent story. Thank you so much. Oh, I, my absolute pleasure. Um, highly recommend the special. It's really good. Yeah, if you like that story, you love the special. Yeah! (laughs) Let's get into 50k views. Woo! (laughs) Beck Charlwood's comedy special, Bipolar Baby, is on YouTube now. Follow her on her socials to find out if she gets that tattoo. I feel pretty conflicted about that idea now. If you're struggling with anything we talked about, Lifeline is 13 11 14 and the National Alcohol and Other Drug Hotline is 1-800-250-015. A reminder that dates have been announced for my 2024 stand-up tour for Perth, Adelaide, Canberra and Melbourne. You know that person you can never think of a gift for? You're welcome. Next episode, Prince of Podcasting, Royally Stuffs It.